you ready to receive God's Word this morning? Amen. We're in this series of messages that we're calling Walking Through the Gospel of John, and this morning we're going to be talking about how God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. That's what He does. When you read your Bible from beginning to end, God always loves to use ordinary people, just like you and me, to do extraordinary things. And as we turn to John chapter 6 today, this is what we're going to see right through this chapter. Jesus does an incredible miracle of feeding 5,000 people. Actually, more than 5,000 people. Many commenters believe that there was probably between 10 and 20,000 people. There were 5,000 men on this day that John writes about that Jesus fed, but obviously there was women and children all over the place, spread all over the hillside. So, possibly it was at least between 10 and 20,000 people that Jesus fed on this day in John chapter 6. But as John remembers this day, he was careful not to make the miracle the only message in this chapter. Because before any miracle had taken place, a little boy surrendered his lunch for Jesus to use. And that very lunch became the material that Jesus used for the miracle that day. And John, as he remembers this 50 years on, as he thinks about that day, as he thinks about what happened in that incredible moment of feeding the masses of people on the hillside, as he thinks back, he doesn't want us to miss the little lad's lunch. He doesn't want us to miss how Jesus used an ordinary little lad with his very ordinary little lunch to bless a multitude of people. But before the lad gave his lunch up, Jesus turned to Philip, I'm sure, excitedly. Jesus turns to Philip, one of his disciples, with great expectation, and he asks Philip a really important question. Philip! Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it great to have all of these people with us? And from the other accounts of this day, we know that this multitude of people, possibly between fifteen and 20,000 people, we know that they had been with Jesus at least three days. They'd eaten all of their food supplies. And they were getting hungry. They were getting tired. So Jesus turns to Philip. Philip, the man of great faith. Philip, the mountain mover. Philip, the champion who's going to solve the crisis. Philip, he looks at this man, this young man, and he asks him a question. You know the question. You're not going to learn anything new this morning from the story because you know it so well as I do. But we're going to be inspired by faith. We're going to be inspired and encouraged by obedience. Philip, he says, where can we buy food to feed all these people? It's going to be great. We're going to have a party. We're going to to just feed everybody. It's going to be wonderful, Philip. Now, Philip, think about it for a moment. We haven't got much time left. Where can we buy some food, Philip? Jesus is expectant. Jesus is excited. But Philip staggers to understand the mind and the thinking of Jesus. Philip 
struggles with this kind of mentality, with this kind of excitement, with this level of provision. Feed. Feed everyone. What Philip didn't understand at that time, as we'll see in a moment, Jesus was testing Philip. Jesus was bringing Philip into a dimension that was far bigger than him, far bigger and beyond his mentality and his level of thinking and his ability to solve. But Jesus wanted Philip to come into this dimension to see the impossibility of it humanly, but the possibility of it with God. Philip is staggering. He doesn't understand that Jesus is testing him and bringing him into territory that he's never stood on before. Let's pick it up in John chapter 6, verse 5, through to verse 7. It says this, Jesus saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Now, that's naughty, Jesus. That's naughty. He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. So you've got an excited expectant Jesus that wants to feed masses of people with food, and you have a very discouraged Philip that's trying to process the thinking and the attitude and the approach of this person that he sees in front of him that's so excited and expectant to bring blessing to this multitude that are tired, that are hungry, who had been with him for three days. Philip struggles with what Jesus is saying, and he's quick off the mark to respond to Jesus. He's quick off the mark to correct Jesus. Jesus, you're talking about, what are you on about? Feeding all of these people around us. He cracks him. But before we criticize Philip, I think all of us at times have corrected Jesus. I think all of us at times have done exactly what Philip did on this day. There's been times maybe when we have tried to correct Jesus' thinking about our circumstances, about the challenges that we face, times where we try to adjust and educate Jesus about our circumstances, the challenges that we're going through. There's been times in all of our lives when we think that we hold information about a situation that Jesus knows nothing about. And instead of giving thanks to Him, our prayers are spoken to inform Him and educate Him about His misguided ways in relation to our circumstances. One of the greatest prayers we can pray in the face of great need begins and ends with thank you. Thank you. Don't say anything else. Don't go any further 
in relation to what you need to say to God about your circumstances in the face of need, in the face of difficulty, in the face of a crisis, in the face of a circumstance that is bigger and beyond your ability to contend with, look at it straight in the eye and say nothing more than thank you. What a great prayer of faith. What a great stance and a commitment and a conviction of trust in God. Maybe there's challenges today that you can't understand. Maybe there's circumstances that are bigger and beyond your ability to contend with. And you feel that God's way is misguided and you feel tempted to correct God and educate God about your situation. Don't. Don't. Hold your tongue. Hold your peace. And look heavenward and say, thank you, God. Thank you for it all. Thank you. I trust you. I lean not on my own understanding. But in all my ways, I acknowledge you. And you will direct my path. Thank you. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you. You'll see things change. Jesus' question to Philip is an indication of how he works in all of our lives at times. Because he puts us into challenging circumstances. Circumstances that are bigger and beyond us. He allows us to go through them. Not to belittle us, but to define us. To make us great. To make us strong. To show forth his power. What did David say in the Psalms? He said, through, ad through adversity and suffering, you enlarged me. When you don't understand the circumstances that you're going through, when you are struggling to interpret what is happening around you, it could be that they're designed to make you great. It could be that they're designed to enlarge you in your relationship and your capacity with God. God often puts us in challenging circumstances. God often allows us to go through things that are bigger and beyond us, not to belittle us, not to break us, but to cause us to join with Him, to meet Him in the crisis, to meet Him in the storm, to meet Him in the darkness, and with Him bring about Blessing. He wants to show us that He's bigger than anything that might face us. Jesus knows all along what He's doing in relation to your life. Like Faye said this morning, He knows where you are right now. He knows what you're going through. He knows the sighs that have come from your heart and the sweat that's come from your brow, as you've tried to think about how you're going to make it through, He knows. And He's not allowed you to go into that situation or that fiery trial to belittle you, but to define you and for you to find Him in a new way, in a new way, for you to see another side of Him that you've never seen. That's what these disciples were going to see on this day. They were going to see a side of Jesus that they had never seen before. Jesus, in this crisis, in this problem, in this situation that was far bigger than their ability to deal with, they were going to see a side of Christ that they had never seen or experienced before. And when you go through it, when you face that fiery trial... It's not pleasant, it's hard, it's difficult, it causes us to go to our knees and cry sometimes. But I'm telling you now, if we will trust Him and if we will keep walking patiently and persevere and endure, you will see a side of Christ that you have never ever experienced and seen or seen before. You haven't seen everything about Jesus, neither have I. Oh, there's many sides to Christ in how He can reach into our lives and change circumstances and situations that we are yet to see. And it will amaze us what He does. 
To Philip at the time, Jesus' idea was ridiculous. So he closed him down. He closed him down. Have you ever had a conversation with God? And you know where he's going and you know how he's leading and you just close him down quickly because you feel that what he's saying and, and, and how he's leading is misguided and incorrect. You close him down and that's what Philip did. He closed Jesus down quickly. Not even a year's wages, not even if we worked and worked and worked could we resolve this issue. As Philip bows out of the picture, John remembers then how Andrew steps forward. Another man of faith. And he offers Jesus a little boy's lunch. Good start, Andrew. But then, but then even Andrew quickly criticizes and condemns what he's holding in his hands. Listen to John chapter 6 from verse 8 through to verse 9. Andrew now stepping forward, this man of faith. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves. Commenters tell us that barley loaves were poor man's food. Poor people ate barley loaves. Only the poor ate barley loaves. As they looked at those two fish and five barley loaves, poor man's bread, Andrew said, but what good is this? What good is this? What good is that with this huge crowd? It's poor man's bread. And there's only five little bread cakes anyway. Like little scones. Two fish. Enough to feed a little boy, but not enough to feed a multitude of people. But before Andrew can dismiss the lunch, Jesus takes it. And now, this poor man's bread, these two little fish, come into the hands. They come into the hands of Jesus. Oh, how different his hands are. Oh, how different his mind is. Oh, how glorious and how beautiful he is when he walks into a crisis. He knew what he was going to do all along. And all he had to do was get those five little loaves, those two little fish into his hands. That's all he needed. He knew where he was going with this. And he knew the glory that he was going to bring to his father that day. Jesus held what Andrew had criticized as being no good. And before everyone on that day, what he held in his hands, he lifted up and gave thanks for. He gave thanks for poor man's bread and two little sardines. I mean, are you crazy, Jesus? Are you mad? What were they seeing? They were seeing another dimension of their Lord and their Savior. They were seeing another side of Messiah that they had never seen before. How he could take the most meager, insignificant lunch and make it much. He held it, he cherished it, and he held it up and blessed it in front of everyone. What a change of action in comparison to Andrew's attitude. What a change. What a change of thinking to Philip's mindset and limitation. 
Jesus saw a gift that was given and gave thanks for it. He saw a little gift, poor man's bread, two sardines. He didn't despise it. He didn't condemn it. He didn't criticize it. He took it and valued it. Oh, how different he is. How different he is from us all. But we are being conformed to his image and by the Spirit of God more and more as every moment passes, we are being shaped and molded to think the same and be the same as he is, we shall be. Hallelujah. Jesus saw a gift given, and he gave thanks for it. He didn't despise it, condemn it. Think for a moment, because doesn't it show us how Jesus can come into situations that are far bigger than our ability to deal with? Doesn't it show us that Jesus just is willing to step into any impossible situation and be Lord of it. He didn't on that day say, well, sermon's finished. I've given you three days. Enough's enough. Go home. I'm off. And off we go. I mean, I can preach for 45 minutes, sometimes a bit longer. But I'm telling you, Jesus can preach for three days. Three days, pouring out the Word of God. He can't turn his back on them. He's looking into their eyes. He's seeing their need. And they're there listening with open hearts. He has to feed them. And he takes the little in this situation that's far bigger than his disciples or anyone else to bring provision he brings his provision and he blesses everyone. Do you know when I was thinking about this this morning, God wants somebody or it may be a few people here this morning to know this. It's impossible for anything to work against you when God is working for you. It really is. It's impossible for anything to work against you when God is working for you. Romans 8, 28 says, we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Even the things that are sent to work against you, even the things that are sent to bring you down, even the things that are sent to crush you and hold you back. Even those very things, God says, I'll use them in a way that works for good in your end. He works all things together for good to those that love Him and who are called according to His purpose. That's what He did on this day. He used what was available. He used what was passed into his hands. He can use anything. Don't ever despise or be discouraged about the little that you have. Don't ever despise your life ever again. Don't ever, don't ever question Your place in this church, your place in this family, what you can bring and what you can give. Don't ever despise it because in His hands, what is little can be made much. I want us to watch a short clip for a moment from a series, some of you may have already seen this, called The Chosen. Anybody watch that? series. And this 
clip that we're going to watch really captures the moment where Jesus feeds the multitude in such a wonderful way. I watched it in the week. I'm telling you, I laughed out loud and I wept like a baby. I'm telling you, because what I saw, I've seen in my own life. And I, I, we're going to watch it. I think it's about eight minutes long. And uh, then I'll come back and we'll continue. But I trust this will bless you. And think as you watch it of all of those times where Jesus has come and been that provision for you in your life. Take a look at the screens and then we'll continue. A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind, and he went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I will go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two sons did the will of the father? Many of you are from cities such as Tyre and Sidon, cities that have rejected God's you. attention. Where did you find that? At the bottom of my bag. <laughs> Forgot it was in there. It's a little stale, but it'll do. You, you've been out here for days and, and you just, you just discovered it? I followed some men who told me we were coming to watch a fight. A fight? Everyone was just in such a hurry. Does anyone have any food? No. Food? Your name is Andrew. Yes? Yes. Telemachus. I wanted to say thank you again for everything. I'm not the one who healed your father, but I can certainly pass that along. You've been asking about food. Yes. I want to show what I have. Sonnies can feed one family of the thousands. I just wanted to do what I could. The kingdom of heaven you okay? is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. What do you mean by that? No, I don't. Look, let me say look, it another way. Instead of, we should. It is like a merchant in search of fine Why pearl. Why you deliver no way to feed these One people. pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Listen carefully, because this is accessible to all of you, regardless of race or creed. It's the last thing we need. The to kingdom okay, is so saying. valuable that once you have glimpsed it. It's worth parting with everything you have in order to gain it. We shouldn't burden him. Even though to others you might look like a fool, throwing away your life savings to buy what would look to others an unremarkable field. But you know of the hidden treasure. And that makes it worth everything. Have you come closer to here better? No, there, there is an issue. My friends, if you'll excuse me, I must speak with my students a moment. There was only some Rabbi, mm. people are out of food. Some have been without food for days, others have traveled a great distance. So, give them something to eat. We're out of food. They're out of food. Is it time to send them home? Well, at this point, they're so hungry and tired. If we send them home, they're faint along the way. You knew they were hungry? Yes, Judas. I can see them while I'm talking. Ah. <laughs> mm. Well, this is a tough one. Where can we buy some bread for all these people? We only came with a little over 200 denarii. Rabbi, that's not even enough to get a little bit for everyone. I wouldn't even know how to calculate that. Matthew and I can calculate that. That's really easy. Maybe if we go into the cities, we can negotiate something on credit. Yes. Yes, that could work. Negotiate with whom? 
The closest city is Abila, and its entire population is here. It's nine miles away, and even if we raided every house in town, we'd have to find a way to bring it back here, and it would still only feed a fraction of the masses. Can you bring me anything? Surely there's some food from someone, even a small amount. Five loaves of bread and two fish. But what is this for so many? Barley loaves. Two fish and five barley loaves. Thank you for clarifying. This is humiliating. John? He will take care of it if he wants to. You look scared. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid that he'll choose them. This is wonderful bread, Telemachus. I know it's not enough. Oh, it's enough for me. I can do a lot with this. Thank you. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Did they find some bread? If they've got bread, be ready. We'll probably be first. Feed them. What has changed? Are we organized the people into groups of 50 and 100? Gather up 12 baskets to distribute the loaves and fish. Was I unclear? Ah, no. This feels familiar. Maybe. Feed them. Yes. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds. But when it has grown, it is larger than all the gardens. Becomes a tree so that the birds of the air can come and make their nests in its branches. I've got one. Let's just keep on. Break up the bread. Okay. How much is going to work? There, you take some. There. the Just need some. Give me some of that. Yeah, yeah. There's two. We need some. That's the last of it. Yeah, that's the last of it. All right, Marcus, you can have your basket back.
when I saw that, I was so blessed. You know, just seeing how they captured the anxiety of the disciples, wondering what they were going to do. We can feel like that sometimes. In too deep, not knowing what to do or where to turn. And then how Jesus takes control. I love how he looked over to them and just smiled. That big smile on that actor's face. I thought, that's so typical of Jesus. Knowing all along. Knowing all along. See, we don't need to know what he knows. We just got to follow. He'll lead us. He'll lead us through. And no matter what ache or trouble concerns us, or confuses us. He knows. He knows our need. Beautiful, a beautiful picture of Jesus providing, of Jesus taking a very stressful situation that's way beyond the ability of anyone to solve, taking control of it and turning it on its head to a party, to a joy for everyone there. That's what he does. That's what this message was about this day in John chapter 6 that John remembers so vividly. And it points, to, it points out to all of us that all of us at some point in our lives have an opportunity to place the little that we have into the hands of Jesus in order for Jesus to work a miracle, in order for Jesus to bring about blessing to others through our lives. I know there's many in this church that have given their lives, just like that little lad gave his lunch. And as they've placed their lives into service in this church and placed their lives into the hands of Jesus, their little life, just like that lad's little life, has become a blessing and a provision to many. The church is a wonderful place, a wonderful opportunity, the provision of God for His purpose to be fulfilled through your life. Today, you may be here, and you may be wondering, what can I do? What's my purpose? God's given His church as His provision for that purpose in your life to be fulfilled, just like it was in this little boy's life. Do you think he woke up that morning thinking that the material, the meager material that he held in his hands would be used by Jesus to feed and bless a multitude? He had no idea. But a good heart, a willing life, will always be used by God. Some of you could give your life just like this little boy gave his lunch to join Mike and Wendy in our welcome team, to be the first face to greet somebody new into this church and welcome them. Oh, well, that's not much. What good can that do? What good can that do? It could save somebody from suicide. That's what it could do. Your word of encouragement and that's why I ask everyone to welcome one another on a Sunday morning. What good can that do? It might lift somebody's sorrow. It might set somebody free of depression. It might give somebody a glimmer of hope that have had, that's had a, an awful season. You see, our little lives, just like that little lunch in the hands of Jesus, can do an extraordinary work. He uses the ordinary things of life and ordinary people in life to do extraordinary things. You could join Chi-Chi in the crash, looking after our precious children, or John in King's Kids, or Andy and the team on a Friday in youth, 
Jesus cares. There's so many areas in which our lives can have purpose. And the church, the church is the place that God has provided for His people, for the, for the purpose of His people to be fulfilled. You know, people become critical of the church. I, I'm never critical of the church. Do you know why? Because I'm a pastor. I'm never critical of the church because I see the sacrifices that people make every week in this church, the giving and the laying down of their life, the years of service when, when it's not convenient to turn up, when, when it doesn't work, and when, when they're going through hard times. I see the sacrifices that God's people make. I'm never going to criticize the church because as a pastor, I see People with broken lives, even in their brokenness, trying to mend other people's lives with words of encouragement, with words of blessing. People often talk about the church. Sadly, they talk about the church in a disparaging way. Just like Philip and Andrew condemned what Jesus held in his hands. People condemn the church. What good is that amongst so many? What good is King's Church and all of the other churches in Newport and in South Wales and over the United Kingdom? The church isn't doing anything. The church needs to do this. What good is the church anymore? I'll tell you. I'll tell you in the hands of Jesus the meager work in the church can become mighty in the hand of God and it can change a nation. It can turn around a world. It can be light in a darkness, a city on a hill, a house of hope and a house of healing in the hands of Jesus. Hallelujah. And I know nobody criticizes the church here, but it's sad. It, it, it saddens my heart because I know there's some, do you know what? There's some people that come to this church and they've worked in the hospital all night and they come into this place. They don't go home to sleep. They come into this place tired to praise God. There's other people, they can only come once a month or twice a month because they, they have to work and their shifts are on a Sunday, and yet their heart is here every Sunday, watching online when they can. And the, 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 once, the one time that they can attend, maybe once a month or twice a month. I'm not going to condemn that or criticize that. The church is a glorious place. It's not a building. It's, it's the beautiful people of God that has been bought by His blood and chosen, chosen by his own hand. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to close in, in just a few, few moments. John doesn't leave us there in John chapter 6 on this day, showing us this incredible miracle and how God used this ordinary little boy with his ordinary little lunch. John takes us into the next day after as well. And the next day after this miracle, the multitude came to find Jesus again. And after this miracle had occurred, John now begins to bring out the real message behind the miracle that had occurred the previous day. And really, the message behind the miracle was all about Jesus being the bread of life. And this is where John is leading us. This is what John wants us to see, that Jesus doesn't just fulfill our physical needs. More importantly, He's come to fulfill our deep spiritual hunger and need for life. The next day as the multitude come to Jesus, looking to be fed again, Jesus now lovingly urges them about the real food that they need from Him. Not bread being multiplied physically, but His 
life being broken and becoming bread for them to receive so that they would receive satisfaction and fulfillment and they would never go hungry again. But you read John chapter 6 and you'll see that the crowd aren't happy. They're not, they're not happy with Jesus' direction. They're not happy with this revelation that Jesus is giving them about being the bread of life for their lives. They want their physical needs met. So on this day, as they hear now this new dimension of teaching, and as they understand the real message behind the miracle, they start to desert him en masse. The day before, they tried to force and make him king. You're providing for all of our physical needs, Jesus. You're everything that we want you to be. You're the Messiah. You're the promised ruler. You're fulfilling our needs. That's all we need. We want to make you king. And they tried to make him king by force. On the next day, when they see the message behind the miracle, they start to desert him en masse because they didn't want him to be the bread of life for their lives. Living bread, that's what he was offering them now. But they turned their backs on him and walked away. I met a person recently, sadly, who wanted all of the blessings that Jesus brings, but he didn't want the Christ who brings them. Now, that's the reality, you see. He wanted the peace. He wanted the deliverance. He wanted all of the benefits of salvation, but he didn't want the Savior who brings the blessing. There's so many people that want blessing. There's so many people that want peace and joy and happiness and all of the things that Jesus brings and the blessings that He gives, very often they walk away not wanting the Savior that serves all of these blessings to us. I was just thinking this week, what does it look like when you eat the bread of life? What does a life look like? Is there a picture for us to see? Is there a description that describes the fullness of life that's given when you partake of the bread of life in your life? And as I thought about that, King David came to mind. His life is a perfect picture of a man who ate of the bread of life in his life. And towards the end of his life, David, as an aged king, looked back over the entirety of his life, looked back over the ups and the downs and the changes of all of life's seasons, and he captured it all together in Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is David's description of a satisfied life. Psalm 23 is a description of a man that looks back on a checkered past and sees how he'd eaten of the bread of God through every season, through the ups and through the downs, through the highs and through the lows, through the successes and the failures. The bread of God had never failed him. It had satisfied his heart in his successes and in his great suffering. He had never wanted the bread of God had fed him. Listen to how David describes the complete provision of the Lord as his shepherd. You know it well, but think about it now. As you listen to it, of a man eating the bread, the living bread of God in every day and every season of life as he looks back over it as an aged king. Psalm 23, he says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows or runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That was a man. That was the man who knew that it was impossible for anything to work against him because he was confident that his shepherd was working for him in all things. Those are the words of a man who feasted all of his life on the living bread of heaven, Jesus Christ. And that is our portion too. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your presence in our lives. We thank you for your word to us. Lord, we know that you provide for us physically. Oh, how you bless us. Oh, how you've never, ever left us in need. Lord, like, like Paul, we can say, my God supplies all of my needs according to his riches in glory. We have been provided for. You provide for us physically and you bless our lives Lord, let us know, even beyond physical blessing, let us know the living bread, Jesus. Let us partake and eat of Him so that our hunger might be satisfied and our purpose for living and life may be fulfilled in your house and in the world in which you've placed us. We ask this as your people in Jesus' name for your glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Hallelujah.